Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Um, we, throughout this Christmas season, have been looking at uh, gift exchanges with God. In fact, the name of the series is Gift Exchange. And, and we've looked at gift exchanges such as giving God our despair and Him giving us His hope, uh, us giving God our worry and Him giving us His peace. Um, the fact that we're detached uh, if we're not in relationship with Christ. And what does He do? He gives us His love. And what I want to do this Sunday after Christmas is talk about giving God our lostness and him finding us. In other words, us giving up being lost as a gift to God. And in exchange, what does he do? He, he makes us one of who has been found. And so that's the exchange I want to look at, this idea of, of lost to found. And I'm going to say something that for some may appear a, a little controversial, and I don't think it will for many of you, but for some, or at least something they haven't thought about, and, and that's this, that the true meaning of Christmas cannot be separated from the message of Easter. That when we, when we look at what Christ has done in, in humbling himself and taking upon his divinity, humanity, and, and coming to earth, but that can't be separated from the purpose of his coming which was to die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation. But before I jump ahead of myself, I, I want to I say this this way. Jesus' coming, his birth, is inseparably connected to death and res resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and it's all tied into why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why, why did Christmas happen in the first place? And Jesus answers the question. In fact, in Luke 19.10, he's asked, you know, about his purpose. And Jesus gives his purpose. He says in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Notice he asks, he's actually challenged. He's challenged about why he's hanging around the people he's hanging around, why he's doing the things that he's doing. He says, listen, my purpose for coming is to seek and save the lost. And, and Jesus makes this statement uh, to the religious elite they didn't understand why he was here. They had had a different picture in their mind what the Messiah would look like, what he would do. And Jesus corrects that. He makes it clear. He has a singular purpose, and that is to find each and every one of us and give us the opportunity to be in a right relationship with God through him. And the Bible presents the truth that really all of humanity is lost, every single one of us. And so it, it, when we say the word lost, I've heard people say that, that that's sort of an offensive term. Well, it may be, but then it's offensive to all of us because not a one of us uh, isn't born into sort of a sense of lostness. Uh, understanding what it means then to be lost and how to exchange our lostness for being found is of the utmost importance. In fact, I think we could argue is of the greatest importance to understand how to, how to go from one who is in this hopeless situation to finding hope in Christ. And so what does it mean? What does it really mean to be spiritually lost? Well, lost in a spiritual sense describes those who have not received Christ as Savior and Lord, who don't know the good news about him, who don't have eternal life. Uh, the person who's lost, they're, they're spiritually dead. They're separated from the joy-filled life that's offered us in Jesus Christ, and they deny God, or they don't know God. And all of us have had that place in our life. Even if you were raised in a church, there was a moment where you needed to make that relationship with God yours, not just something you grew into, not just something you'd always heard about, 
But at some point, you had to be introduced to the person of Jesus Christ, not just the story of Jesus Christ. And so again, what does it mean to be lost? Well, being lost means one doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in him. And they don't believe in him, especially as the scripture describes him. And so there are some who would say, well, I believe there was a man, Jesus, who existed. I believe he was maybe a great teacher, but I don't believe he was the son of God. And the scripture teaches us he is the son of God, that he's Savior and Lord. And so being lost means we either don't believe in Jesus or don't believe in him, at least in the way that the scriptures describe him. Being lost means that we, we don't have any real standing with God. We're not in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and that's an important that's an important thing to, to keep in mind, that, that all of us are separated from God by our sin. In fact, when we look at the scriptures, we come across Romans 6.23. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wage of sin is death. That's the first part of that verse. And, and I like to, that word wage that's used there because a wage is something you earn. It's not something just given to you. Uh, that's a gift. A wage is something we've worked for. And so it, it really clearly states that all of us, because of, of who we are, what we were born into, what we've done, that we deserve death and we deserve eternal death. Any finite act against an infinite God has infinite consequences. Let me say that again. Any finite act against an infinite God has infinite consequences. That's very clear in Scripture. And when we understand who God is and who we are, it really begins to make sense. But God has done something for those of us who are lost. Now, let me go back to Romans 6, 23, first part of that verse. We've earned death. And so God, in his goodness, in his love, has decided to do something for us. On one occasion, Jesus uh, is the focus of criticism. In fact, when you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus is often criticized. And interesting enough, most of the people who criticize him are the religious elite, those who should have known better but were blinded by their own view of their, of their own self-imposed goodness. <laughs> and they're criticizing Jesus, again, guess what, for who he's hanging around with, for the things he's doing. And, and Jesus shares this, this parable, this story, in Luke 15, 1 through 7. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. They're all drawing near to Christ. And these are the people who the religious elite didn't like. And it says, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. That's, that's a religious elite. They grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And, and that's an important thing because in the Jewish community, especially at that time, they didn't eat with people, number one, who weren't Jewish. And then even further, they didn't eat with people who they didn't think were, were behaving the way that they thought they should behave. And so they criticized him. He says, this man receives them, but he's also eating with them. He's sharing a table with them. And so he told them a parable, and he's telling the parable to everyone, but it's directed toward the religious elite. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Can you imagine the, the response of the religious elite? He, he's saying to them just flat out, he's saying, look, those who you're criticizing me for being with, 
When they receive me, there is rejoicing in heaven, much more than those of you who are self-righteous, those of you who think you have it all together. They must have been speechless after Jesus said these things. This parable is actually one of three that Jesus shares, one after another. So he wanted them to get the point. And, And the point was what? That God is concerned for the lost. But God is concerned for those who don't know him. But even though sin separates us from him, he has a greater plan for each and every one of us. God loves sinners. And, and I've, I've seen survey after survey that says, pastors shouldn't use the word sinner anymore because it's not a popular word. I get why it's not a popular word. None of us want to be sinners, but it's who we are without Christ. But the good news is, is that God loves sinners. God loves us right where we're at. He loves us knowing all about us. He knows the the warts we have in our life. He knows the failings we have in our life. He knows all those things, and yet he still loves us. God loves sinners, those far from him but so close to his heart. And that's one of my favorite descriptions of God's love for us, especially those who are far from God, at least far from God in the way they act, far from God from, from receiving Christ. You know, some, some of you even out there right now but maybe listening to this, and you're, you're thinking there's no way I could step foot in a church building because of things I've done or, or maybe your impression of church people. And I want to let you know, no matter how far you think you are from God, you are close to his heart. You are close to his heart. God and, and, and all of heaven celebrate with him when even one lost person is found, when one lost person receives Christ as Lord and Savior. I mean, think about that, that a party is thrown in heaven when that happens. And Jesus is really clear on that. The plight of the lost sleep, uh, lost sheep really reflects the, the hopelessness and the helplessness uh, of those lost, uh, the, those lost sinners that God still deeply loves. I, I love the fact that God does not just say he loves us. He demonstrated it by leaving the splendor of heaven. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, right? That God sent his son, that, he, that Jesus left the splendor of heaven. And, and what did he do? He humbled himself. He took upon his divinity, humanity. In other words, when Jesus was born, he didn't cease to be God, but he's now took on human form. He's he's the God-man, as some have described him. And and he's born in such modest means. I mean, think about it. The Son of God isn't born in a palace. The Son of God isn't, isn't the daughter of a princess or a queen. He comes, he's born in a stable, and he lives this perfect life. And then we enter into what we would say the the story of Easter, right? He dies on the cross for our sins. He's resurrected for our salvation. He ascends to the Father. And the scripture tells us, what is he doing right now? He's preparing a place for us so that those who follow Christ, he's going to come back and take us home. Now let's get back to sheep for a minute. Sheep instinctively have a tendency to wander. Now I'm not a shepherd. I've had to read about this, but but I've actually read accounts from shepherds, and they talk about this. And they say sheep just instinctively had a tendency to wander, that if they, they just wander off, and they, they get lost. They can't find their way back home. And, and so the shepherd, if the shepherd didn't go and seek them, they would never be found. They would wander and wander until either a wild animal would come and get them, or they'd fall off a cliff. I mean, here's the reality. Sheep are not very smart animals. <laughs> and, and, and yet the shepherd who's over them, loves them. And he goes and he finds that one in the account, right? There's a hundred of them, 99 are still in the, still taking care of, they're still fine. One wanders off, the shepherd goes and finds them. Everywhere, 
Everywhere when we when we see Jesus referring to himself in this in this shepherd type um, situation, he, he talks about the love of the shepherd. In fact, he refers to himself in John 10 as the good shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. What an interesting image. He says, and he not only searches for the lost sheep, but he says he lays down his life for them. And there's a, a build upon the imagery that we already see. But not only does he seek us, but we, he knows that the wage of our sin is death. And so he does something quite profound out of love for us. And if we go back to Romans 6.23, it describes it for us. Remember the first part of the verse, for the wage of sin is death. Again, what we earn, right, is death. But let's read on, Romans 6.23. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God. That's why we're talking about a gift exchange. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What did God do to offer us this free gift in Jesus Christ? When we read through the scriptures, we realize again, we've, we've already discussed this, that, that Jesus left the splendor of heaven. He became man. He took upon his divinity, humanity. He was motivated by love. How do we know this? Well, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. He loved the world. Who's the world? That's you. That's me. God loved us so much that he came. I love the way that, that one, uh, one commentator put it. Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He left the splendor of heaven and literally moved into our neighborhood. He died in our place for our sins. We deserved, remember, the wage of sin is death. But Jesus died in our stead. He paid the price for us. And he rose again. He ascended to the Father, preparing a place for us. And is going to come back and take us home. That's the gospel in a nutshell. In fact, John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, won't have to face eternal death, but spend eternity with Christ in heaven, in paradise. Now, what must a person do to be found? That's an interesting thing to think about. Do we have to do anything at all to be found? The answer is, well, yes, we do. For a lost person to be found, they must exchange their lostness for God's gift of this being found, of salvation. Now, how does this happen? Well, the scripture is clear on this as well. We're to believe in the Lord Jesus, and if we believe in him, we will be saved. I mean, God's already done all the work. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins, resurrected for our salvation, which is really important, by the way. That's the Easter message. But we don't worship a dead Savior. We worship a living Savior, a living God, who is still actively working in our life through his Spirit. So all we must do is receive in faith the salvation gift of Christ. Receive in faith. Fully trust in Jesus as payment for our sins. Believe in him, and we won't perish. And that belief isn't just believing the story, it's believing in him as our living Lord and Savior. God is offering us this gift of salvation, but we must accept it. Like any gift. When is a gift ours? It's not when it's offered to us, it's when we receive it. And so that's when the real exchange takes place. When we receive Christ's salvation, we've given him our lostness and we're found, so to speak. We're saved, we're in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The greatest gift of all. The gift that speaks of being able to live a joy-filled life that God has created us to live. And it begins here, in the here and now. But lasts and, and even comes to its full completion when we see Christ face-to-face -face in paradise. 
So here, here's my message for you as, as you're watching this. Christmas has come and gone, but the offer of this gift exchange is still reached out to each and every one of us. That, that we can give God our lostness and be found. We can give God our hopelessness for his hope. From a Christless eternity for a life uh, everlasting relationship with Jesus Christ where we never have to fear death because we have eternity to live with him. All we need to do is receive him as Savior and Lord. So, so I ask you, wherever you're watching this, have you made that decision? Have you made that gift exchange? Have you given God your lostness and received him finding you? Uh, remember, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that's what he offers each and every one of us. And if you haven't received that, my prayer, my, my Christmas season prayer, is that wherever you find yourself right now in the quietness of your heart, you would say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to I make that gift exchange. I want to be in relationship with you. And, and for those who have already made that decision, and by the way, you may have made that decision days ago, weeks ago, months, years ago. It really doesn't matter. I challenge each and every one of us that, that, that found ourselves in Christ and are sort of reminded what he's done for us through this message, through his word, that we'll keep Christmas throughout the year. I love the Christmas season, but the reality is the message of Christmas isn't just for a day. It's not just for a month. It's for every day of the year. That God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that those who believe in him will have eternal life. And that's the good news of the gospel. That, that's the, that's, this, this is sort of the the last message of 2021 that I'll be sharing with you. But guess what? The new message for 2022 isn't much different. God loves you, and he wants you to be in relationship with him. So I pray you either will make that exchange now or celebrate the exchange you've made and share that good news with others uh, in your home, in your community, work, school, wherever you find yourself. Let's take a moment and just pray. Father God, thank you so much for this amazing, amazing love that you have for us. I, I do say this quite often because it just really does blow my mind that you don't just tell us you love us, but you have demonstrated your love for us in such a major way that you sent your son Jesus Christ to earth to dwell among us. And you did it with, with such modest means. He was born in a stable and and he lived such a modest life and yet such a profound life. And he came with a purpose, and that's to seek and save the lost. He came so we could be in a right relationship with you. Understanding that the wage of our sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That he died in our stead on the cross. And when we place our faith in him, but the same power that 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 resurrection power that he experienced on that resurrection Sunday. But that same power resides in us through his spirit. That our salvation begins the day we receive him as our Lord and Savior. That that power resides in us through his spirit. And that we have hope today. And we have hope that when Jesus returns, when we see him face to face, when we spend eternity with him in paradise, that all that has been promised will be completed and we'll be able to rest in his peace forever. And so, God, thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity during this digital service on this online campus to be able to look at your word together, to be able to celebrate you. Thank you for this great gift exchange 
that you offer us in Jesus Christ, from death to life, from lost to found, from those who were heading in the wrong direction to a Christless eternity, to be able to spend eternity with Christ. Oh Lord, we celebrate you. We continue to keep Christmas in our hearts and lives. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much for, for being a part of this digital service on this online campus. I hope it finds you well, and I hope as we enter into the new year, we remember God's profound love for us, and may we share it with those around us. God bless you.